Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. So I use elk hunting as my guiding principles to look at and evaluate when I'm in the mountains kind of get some reflection and look and evaluate how am I doing as a as a husband how am I doing with my faith how am I doing as a dad uh how am I doing in my career it's very very much like clarity out there and so I actually come back from elk hunting a better version of myself with more clarity and then it's up to me to execute the things that I'm not happy about the things that I feel like I'm lacking or chinks in my armor even in personal development or and the actual hunting, maybe I need to spend more time on my fitness or my archery or my weapon or e-scouting or understanding the elk behavior, but also maybe I need to, to make more time to have like consistent date nights with my wife or specific play dates with my kids, uh, make them feel special or planning vacations. So that's an open-ended thing for me. Like I could talk for an hour on how elk hunting has changed my life and how I leverage it to create the best possible version of myself. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is TomRollandPodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How-To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on TomRollandPodcast.com, and the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. Hey, this is Dan Staten at Elk Shape, and this is the Tom Roland Podcast. 
Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Dan, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm good. Busy, but uh, ready for spring. Kind of cabin fever, but yeah, man, I'm doing well. That's awesome. Well, I love your podcast. It's nice to meet you. We've never met in person, so this is uh, the first time we've had a chance to talk. And um, I, I just, I love your podcast because it it's really helped both my both my sons and and I to kind of get into elk hunting and and really understand it and understand what's required and what's necessary. And then this year we finally got it done and um, it was so rewarding and so amazing. And it was just, it was just one of the greatest um, outdoor pursuits of my life and for, for my son too. And it was so, so cool. And for so long, like it, it really took five, five or six years. And um, for so long I was, I had heard all the stories. I've seen the videos. I listened to your podcast about how it happens for other people. And it just was not, it just was not happening like that for us. Like we had close calls and stuff, but I was just like, man, I just don't know how we're going to close this thing. And uh, anyway, so listening to your podcast and and getting as much information as we could, um, we finally had it, it, it finally happened for us and it was, it was fantastic. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. I know you hear that kind of story from a lot of people. You've helped a lot of people get into the sport. That's super special, man. Uh, bottle that up because, uh, that feeling of delayed gratification, you know, it's hard to, to keep your eyes on the prize when you have five years of tag soup and you have put a lot of energy, um, you've sacrificed a lot of your time and resources to get out there and it just doesn't come together. You can get so close, but it's a game of inches and everything has to be in your favor on their home home field advantage. And it's tough to stay motivated after five years of getting your teeth kicked in. <laughs> but uh, once you do that, I mean, bottle it up and then let that be your driver for the next year, because consistent success is even harder. Than yep. getting, you know, anyone can get lucky and have like have the stars aligned, but to do it year in and year out, that is really uh, my driver. That's my motivator, uh, and uh, that's my why. And and you can leverage it to to do good things in life besides elk hunting. Yeah, how do you do that? Like I know that's that's a big part of the message that you have in in elk shape um, is is how kind of elk hunting is 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 really such a enhancement to your life, but it also is a guiding, it, it kind of guides you through the rest of your life, through your fitness and your, and, and, and so much of the other things that you're doing, your faith and everything else. Um, how is that, how does that work for you for elk hunting to guide you like that? 
Yeah, I think uh, when you realize the work that's involved to, you know, to be able to have consistent success, you have to kind of recognize that um, there's going to have to be some trade-offs. There's going to be, you know, there's going to need to be some sacrifices and not just you, like, you know, me, I have a family, I got a couple of kids and they're young. And, and for me to be out there on public land, it, it requires quite a bit of time away from them to do it proper. Uh, so to not have them in the forefront of my mind, as soon as the season's over and be like, okay, look, is it really fair of me to take an entire month and go elk hunting? Uh, and then the rest of the year be a terrible father and husband and, and ignore them and, and be self-absorbed. I don't think it is fair. And I don't think you'll have a marriage if you do, you know, that kind of approach. So I use elk hunting as my guiding principles to look at and evaluate when I'm in the mountains, kind of get some reflection and look and evaluate. How am I doing as a, as a husband? How am I doing with my faith? How am I doing as a dad? Uh, how am I doing in my career? It's very, very much like clarity out there. And so I actually come back from elk hunting a better version of myself with more clarity. And then it's up to me to execute the things that I'm not happy about, the things that I feel like I, I'm lacking or chinks in my armor, even in personal development or in the actual hunting. Maybe I need to spend more time on my fitness or my archery or my weapon or e-scouting or understanding the elk behavior. But also maybe I need to to make more time to have like consistent date nights with my wife or specific play dates with my kids, uh, make them feel special or planning vacations. So that's an open ended thing for me. Like I could talk for an hour on how elk hunting has changed my life and how I leverage it to create the best possible version of myself. It's really interesting. I, I see, I see very similar things with it because it is, it is all consuming. Like, you know, for the people that listen to this particular podcast, we talk about fishing a lot. And I know that elk hunting is of interest to a lot of people because like I, we were talking about just right before this started, even though fishing, the type of fishing that we do is on, on the water and it's not, not elk, it's, it's fish. We're doing it a lot of times with a fly rod. We're doing it a lot of times with ultralight tackle. There's a lot of the same type of preparation and practice and things that go into learning how to cast a fly rod is going into learning how to shoot a bow and doing it accurately and practice and repetition and, and being prepared to go out there. And that there's, there's a real draw to, you know, for, for the elk hunter, we have tons of elk hunters that come down and go fishing because they see kind of the similar thing and tons of fishermen that want to experience this elk hunting. And it's, it's, uh, so I want to just kind of back up just a little bit. Like this isn't just your typical, uh, hunting podcast that you're on, but I'd just like for you to kind of give, give the people listening to this kind of an idea. Like we're, we keep talking about how it's all consuming and it takes so much of your time. And like, why, like in, in your opinion, like what, what is it about the elk and elk hunting, especially with a bow that does require all this time? And what, what is, what, what are the minimum kind of things that you need to have and, and be capable of to be able to, to do it like you do? Yeah. I, I mean, elk hunting is something that, you know, a lot, it's getting more popular and there's more competition, just like all the fishing spots can get, you know, exposed online or talked about in a forum, or you can see something on a YouTube video and key in on a, a spot. And, um, so it's just, 
I don't think it's social media. I just think it's internet. Like there's just more technology. And when there's a limited resource or there's limited spots, you know, you kind of have to keep your cards close. Whereas I have taken elk hunting. My perspective is, is that separations in the preparation. So if I perform my due diligence year round, if I'm shooting my bow every day, X amount of reps and breaking a sweat every day and eating the right nutrition and spending the time scouting e-scouting because I'm obsessed because it's what I am. I separate myself from your average elk hunters who maybe take a week off, show up at a, at a trailhead. They haven't, they don't really know what the terrain looks like. They don't know the elk behavior. They don't know where the elk want to be. And they certainly don't know what to do when the elk get pushed by other hunters. I have an advantage. And, and so I don't worry about the competition. Um, I think competition brings out the best in me. I don't know if it brings out the best in everyone, but um, to your point, elk hunting is hard. You are signing up for hard work. Like you're literally going to be elk hiking, not <laughs> elk hunting. And so you better be familiar with your equipment and your backpack and be ready to put the sweat equity in where elk are very nomadic. They have four legs to R2. They weigh six to 800 pounds. They live in the mountains year round. They can smell, they can see, they can hear, and something's trying to eat them every day. Nothing's trying to eat you, Tom. <laughs> Nothing's trying to eat me. And That's when right. I go to get my next meal, I'm going upstairs to my kitchen. They may travel six, seven miles just to get a drink of water or to get their, their food source. Um, so they just have a physical advantage. They have home turf advantage. Uh, so it's fun to match wits with them. But when you select to go archery elk hunting, now you're really limiting your effective range to, you know, hopefully 50 yards and under, and you're getting as close as possible, but you're also going to get rewarded by bow hunting and, and have a chance to hunt them while they're in their rut, while they're in their mating season, while they're the bulls are screaming, making bugles and cows are in estrus and there is competition for breeding rights. It's truly magical, spectacular. And once you hear your first real bugle in the wild, it, it'll make the hair stand up on your neck. It's an incredible sound. They're incredible animals. It's, and they live in amazing landscapes. And to be honest with you, Tom, they live in places I probably would never go if I didn't elk hunt. I really wouldn't find a reason to go that far, that deep into these amazing landscapes. So elk hunting is about chasing adventure. It's about trying to secure food for your dinner table, knowing where your food comes from. And it's also a practice or discipline of like, okay, I owe it to this animal to be in shape. I owe it to this animal to be able to make and decipher ethical shots. And I know how I need to know how to break it down and how to get the meat and back to my truck and in a cooler as fast as possible. So it's, it's a marathon, it's a grind. Um, but it's also something that could potentially change your life. Cause it certainly changed mine. Yeah. I see that. Now, how did it change your life? When did you, when did you start elk hunting? So I shot an elk when I was 20 years old with a rifle in my home state of Washington, uh, five minutes into the hunt, really? we actually, yeah. And so we didn't know what we were doing. We ended up getting that entire elk out whole and we were in pretty deep. And so I still don't know how we, we didn't know what we were doing, man. Like you don't pack elk out whole. Like we, so we put it on a, we got it on a trailer with a four wheeler and off-roaded and did, probably did illegal things. I don't remember. It was a long time ago, but we definitely got the entire elk out whole. And then we hired 
these butch mobile butchers to show up to my, my dad's house and they butchered it right in front of us, hung it up. And then when I saw the table just chocked full of elk meat sky high, I was like, wow. Cause I'd killed deer. I'd grown mm-hmm. up hunting, but I never killed yeah. an elk. And I was like, this is like 10 X meat yeah. and that the rack's huge. Uh, and then I found out that they bugled and I found out that if you had a bow, you could hunt them when they're bugling. And so that's all it took. And the next year I became a bow hunter all in and I've never looked back. And it's funny. I didn't kill an elk for five years bow hunting after that. So I had five minutes of success and then five years (laughs) of cutting my teeth like your son did. And it was the best. I would never want to change that because that may each year when I would sit down and look at myself in the mirror and be like, dude, I just tried as hard as I could. I just hunted for an entire month and didn't kill an elk. What do I need to do to get better? And so it would just drive me year round to do all these crazy things to get better and to learn more. And man, I, I'm going to tell you, I mean, I might've shed a tear on that first bull. I finally killed five years later because I had worked so hard for that moment. I know exactly what you're talking about. When my, my son, um, when he, when it happened for us this year, he, we were both crying. It was, it was the, one of the most emotional things ever. And, and it's, you know, the same thing I I spent about a year and a half, maybe two years fishing almost every single day of the, of that time, trying to catch this, this fish that we have called a permit. It's, um, it's a lot of people say it's the most difficult fish to catch. I don't know. It is certainly that way. If you don't know much about the fish, which is what I didn't know, kind of like you, like, like, you know, I don't know much about this fish. I don't, I kind of see them occasionally, but looking back at my perspective now about what I know about the fish, I knew nothing about this fish and I would see them and I'd throw at them and, but I had no chance of, of catching any. And then just like you, like that same thing, like, what is it that I'm doing? Asking questions, keeping my mind open, trying to determine, is it something that I'm doing? Could I do something better? Is there a way that, that, that I can have some success here? And there was, and similar to elk hunting, like in, in permit fishing, you can throw a live blue crab on a spinning rod and they love live blue crabs. Like that is great. And, but for whatever reason, I didn't want to do it that way. And I wanted to catch them on a fly, which would be similar to shooting an elk with a bow first, right? Where when you have zero experience, you know nothing about the animal and you go out there and you try to catch them on or, or you try to shoot it with a bow and you would really know nothing about shooting a bow either. So there would be this, this whole process of trying to learn. And that's what I went through for the permit. It was very emotional. And then it became my favorite fish because I was having success with other fish, but I was having no success with this one. And for that reason, and for all of that work that I put into it, it became my favorite fish by far. And then I became proficient at, at doing it, just like you were talking about before. Like, it's one thing to get lucky and catch one, but it, how do you catch them repeatedly? And how do you catch them more than anybody else? And how do you, how do you catch them as a guide, you know, operating through your angler? And that became another challenge. And so this whole, all of those challenges uh, became like an obsession. And, and I see the same thing with the elk hunting. It's, it is that way. And I, what I love almost more about elk hunting than, than any type of fishing is the physical requirement to it because I love working out and I love working for something 
and then putting in your work, like maybe it's training for a marathon and then you run that marathon and you're like, I'm just going to trust my training. I'm going to run at this, at this, you know, 715 pace or whatever it is that you, that you have trained for. You've never gone this distance at that pace, but your training says you should be able to do it. And then you do that. And man, how rewarding is that? Like you just did something that you didn't think that you could do. And then in elk hunting, it's like that at every turn. And that was our, that was our, um, <laughs> that was our little inside joke between my sons and I this year is like, oh, wow, man, every time you think it's going to get easier, it gets harder. Like, <laughs> you know, like we're hiking around and we're looking for these elk and we're like, okay, man, you know, we're going to start finding them. And once we start finding them, then it'll get easier because now, you know, we'll know where they are and we can just hike in there and we're, we're now we're hunting. We're not just hiking. And then we would find them and then it would get harder because now they're up there and you got to go up there. And, and, and it was because, but you had this confidence of, well, I know I can do that. I've been, I've been training for this for eight months and I can hike that mountain really fast. I can get across that, that area before they see us because if they come around here or whatever, but there was this physical um, world that, that you have to kind of, that has to be part of your, your tool chest in elk hunting. And I know that's something that's really close to your heart, like your Dan, Dan, the fitness man. So I want to talk about your fitness um, background and how you apply that to elk hunting. What, what is your fitness background? Well, I've been obsessed with fitness. Um, as soon as I got my first weight set, when I was like 12 years old, was it plastic and filled with co concrete like mine? <laughs> yeah, no, I wish I wish. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. I it had those, like a I had those set. Yeah. You know, well, we didn't have Costco back. I'm a little older than you, but I had the Sears set, which was the, they were, they were plastic oh, yeah. weights and they were full of concrete. And then you had the straight bar. It was in, in this little dinky bench press and uh, you know, it, it worked though. That weights weight. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have used those for sure at my buddy's house in junior high. And yeah, I mean, so weights were always kind of like, Oh, cool. I want to get muscles or whatever. But you know, what really did it for me was when I was probably about 13, my parents were building a house and we had to move in with their friends who had in, like a basement that was like a, in modern terms, like an Airbnb or something like that. We rented out their basement and in their basement was this immaculate weight room. Hmm. And the guy who owned the house caught me basically messing around on there and was just like, you know, if you want to learn how to do this proper, I can show you. 
And that whole summer, he dedicated his summer to help like training me and showing me how to do. And he actually looking back, he kind of knew, knew quite a bit. And he actually got me on um, the first thing he did was got me figured out like how many calories to take in. And he got me on supplements. And this was a long time ago, man, because I'm 40. So we're talking, I don't know what year it was, but I remember taking creatine and meal replacements and all sorts of stuff. Um, And that summer I packed on 20 pounds of good, good size for a guy who's going into eighth grade coming in, like people noticed and my confidence went way up and my football, I got a starting position in football and then I wrestled really well. And basically it kind of changed my life, my course, my direction right then and there. I kind of understood like, Oh, if I put the work in, if I do the research and read and, and this, I can get what I want if I'm willing to, to sacrifice, put the work in. So I was hooked on fitness at a very young age, became a personal trainer right out of uh, high school. In fact, that's how I afforded college and grad school was being a trainer and working for health clubs and managing gyms. And long story short is I ended up um, owning my own gym for over 10 years and and doing and helping people. And so I've, I've been a strength and conditioning guy for a long time. And um, it just doesn't get old. Fitness is a way of life for, for me and, and my wife and our family. And we have a gym here out on our own property in the backyard. We built a gym and um, there's just no excuses. We just, we've made it a way of life. Yeah. I love it. So you're a wrestler too. You know, I look like a wrestler and I did wrestle a few years and I did really well, but in high school, the first day of wrestling practice, I broke my ankle oh. and when it healed up, I quit and just went into snow skiing, you know, and chasing girls. So I kind of wish I'd wrestled. <laughs> I made for it, but no, did you wrestle? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's this funny thing that I've noticed, um, about people that are like super obsessive about outdoor activities, especially fly fishing and bow hunting. And there is wrestling in their background for some reason. Like it doesn't have to be, they don't have to be like a NCAA double a champion or anything, but they wrestled for a few years. And, and I just think that there's something to that. And I find that all the time. Like when I find somebody that's a really good fly fisherman or really good at, at, at anything outdoors, if you ask them, usually they're like, yeah, I wrestled all through high school. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the draw is, but wrestling is kind of like chess, you know, it's kind of like physical chess and elk hunting is very similar to that as well as the type of fishing that we do in the Florida Keys where it's a lot like hunting and you're 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 kind of thinking a couple moves ahead and it's like it's like this game of chess with with uh with the fish and I don't know wrestling is similar to that so I don't know if, if there's a if you've noticed that but there seems to be a lot of wrestlers that are well I think wrestlers draw an obsessive a type personality anyway, but, um, anyway, they, they, uh, yeah, it, it, it is a sport that, that is, it, it kind of lays the foundation for a lot of different things, probably elk hunting and fly fishing as well. Um, but anyway, so your gym that you started, um, it looks, it, it looks like a CrossFit gym kind of, is it, are you, did you have a CrossFit gym? Yep. So I ran across a gym for, like I said, uh, 12 years or so. And then, um, but I hated CrossFit before I owned a CrossFit gym. Like, uh, I despised it. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever, but technically I was an early adopter of CrossFit. We opened in 2008. Nice. Um, and 
it was it was a fun ride for us. I think the reason why we ended up selling the gym is just honestly, you get to a point where you need something new, something fresh. It wasn't, I was hardly running it. Um, you know, it was just a business. And so I was able to sell it, uh, and then do elk shape full time. But the gym we built here, yeah, it's a shop. It's got, it's a functional fitness, like it's free weights, couple of salt bikes, ski ergs, rowers, we got 16 foot high ceilings. We can do rope climbs and um, dumbbells, kettlebells, D balls, just sandbags, like lot, just stuff to not get bored right. and to mix it up and, and to have fun with it. So I'll send you a, a video of my, my backyard when we're done with this, but I've got all the same stuff all in my driveway and um, it, it's, I've built it since about 2008 um, with, with just friends and people that come and it's, it's for free, but we, do a little donation every year and then just go buy whatever ski ergs, salt bikes, rowers. Um, I got like a 30 foot rig, <laughs> um, that, that would look like it's at the, at the CrossFit games, but it has grown. And my wife has been very, very, um, patient with it. But one day she looked out the window and she was like, huh, that's funny. That thing used to be kind of over that way. And you see this line right here. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she goes, yeah, I don't think it should go any further this way. Cause you know, those infinity rigs, you can just keep adding on <laughs> and we kept adding on more and more. And now it's like 35 feet long. Um, but I, that's as big as it's going to get. It's not getting any bigger. It looks like. Dude, I like that. So yesterday I was out doing a workout with two of my buddies and then my wife had four of her friends and it was like, what's going on here. And, and so we knew if you build it, they will come yeah. and we're not monetizing. Mm -hmm. Like we're like you, but I like that donation thing once a year. Cause like mm -hmm. I wanted, I, I'm like, man, we need to have more pieces in here to yeah. help like accommodate. Well, that's and how so, it happens. Because when you have, when you have, you know, six people and only two assault bikes, now you're like, okay, well, there's only so many workouts that you can do. And, and then people are like, well, let's buy more. Like how much does an assault bike cost? And if everybody kicks in 200 bucks, you can get mm -hmm. whatever you need. And, um, I got really lucky and, and bought up a bunch of old rowing machines for about a hundred dollars a piece. And what? I don't know that I'm going like to ever find that. Two? Yeah. I don't know that you, I'm ever going to find that again, but the, the college was, was upgrading their, their, they were getting all new rowing machines and they were just letting them go. And a lot of them, you know, needed work, but as you know, you can replace every part of that concept too. And if you get, if you get on there and you just replace the parts, I've learned how to go through those things and, and replace them and make an old one, kind of a new one. And, uh, it, it, you know, you can, you can make it happen, but that donation thing is good. And people are plenty happy to pay that, like, you know, $200 twice a year. And that's cheaper than, I mean, that's a, that's, that's two months of, of CrossFit in places. So they're, they're happy yep. to do it. And then your place grows and, um, and then you're, you have all the stuff that you need, but yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, and then, it, and then you just be patient with it. You know, it's not going to be giant overnight, but it will, it will grow. Um, and then you're it's pretty, uh, it, go ahead. I was going to say ours is pretty insane. It's, uh, it's 40 by 30 and, um, it's pretty full already. And I do think like having a community and trying to, like, my goal is to have the fittest neighborhood yeah. in my area, right? you know, and, and change people's life. But I am a little bit jealous, Tom, like I can just picture, like, I could never leave equipment or rigs outside. Cause we get like, it's snowing right now, but you probably just walk out. It's humid. You probably just 
do a couple stretches and you're already warmed up and sweaty and you can leave you get some to work stuff. out outside. You can leave some stuff outside. Now, now down in the keys, you can't leave anything outside. Not like, like, like an Olympic bar or something. It would rust into the ground in about two weeks. So this, this is in, in Tennessee where I have this, but, um, uh, I spend a lot of time in the keys and Tennessee, but in, in key West, you got to be really careful about that stuff. Anything that is not powder coated and covered in, in oil is going to rust terribly including your boat and, and it's just a whole different environment but um wow. yeah that that's pretty that is that is pretty nice and some of the stuff can't stay outside but you know the community aspect of it is is huge and then you've got this whole thing going where you're um where you're also building a nice community around elk shape and i'm interested in how you decided to to sell the crossfit gym and go into elk shape full time that's that is you know we have we have a lot of discussions here about following your passion and we have a lot of discussions about um you know people want to either either quit their job and become a fishing guide or they want to quit their job and and open this this tackle store or they want to do something they want to become a professional photographer they want to do something and that is of of interest of of that moment kind of where you decided to do that and you decided to like where was elk shape at the time that gave you enough confidence to to make that that jump well that's a good question i think um you have to be a little bit calculated, obviously. Um, I love the advice of chase your passion and, you know, all that sounds good on paper, but most people are pretty leveraged uh, and that's why they're stuck in their job. Uh, and so if it's, if you're cool about the delayed gratification that we talked about earlier, then it could be a similar thing where, you know, running a gym was never really like lucrative in my opinion. Like mm -hmm. if I wanted to, to really make as much money as possible, I would probably have done consulting or maybe managed several health, big box gyms type thing, which I'd done in the past. Uh, so as soon as I opened that CrossFit gym, man, I didn't even take a salary the first year I lived off savings, lived with my dad. I mean, it was, humble beginnings, but we did grow it. We did develop systems and we did get it going. Like, and, and I'm saying things that I didn't know about when I first opened it up, man, mm -hmm. I, I got a master's in exercise fizz. I wished I'd got a master's in business right. because that's, you know, you learn from the school of hard knocks, but you know, I had a background in being in the hunting industry. In fact, um, probably 2007 is when I, inked my first article. And back in those days, there wasn't social media platforms. You were a writer, you would take photos and you would submit articles. And I did a few for free. And then I started getting paid. And then I started having several writing opportunities and I would always bring that fitness component into hunting. So I kind of had a niche for me. Uh, and then that led to other jobs in the industry from videography to actual contract editing. And then in 2010, I started a website called train hunt.com with a business partner. And my business partner at the time also was my business partner in the gym. And then we ended up having two gyms and train to hunt and it came down to, we had to try to like quit trying to serve several masters. We had decided like everything's getting 33%. Something needs to get a hundred percent. So we, we split it all up. He took train to hunt. I took the gym. We closed the other gym and off we went our separate ways. When we did that, I opened, um, I bought the domain elkshape.com 
because my passion is elk hunting. It's not sheep hunting. I'm not into like getting guys ready for sheep hunts or crazy sheep hunts worldwide or whatever. Not, not my jam. I like elk hunters. I'm an elk hunting kind of guy. So I started elk shape because I've always heard people talk about getting into elk shape. And I was like, man, it's way easier to stay in elk shape. So I started elk shape in 2013. And what it was, was basically a blog articles. It was a website, man. And and it was a YouTube channel that was very small. I would answer some questions, do Q and a show my, what I was working on workouts, started the podcast a few years later. And I will tell you when I got serious about elk shape is when I just threw it out there. Um, I think in one of my first couple podcasts, I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing an elk shape camp. Here's the dates. Here's when you can sign up, come down. We'll do a whole weekend. I'm going to charge a couple hundred bucks. The next day I put the link up and it sold out hmm. instantly. Wow. And I was like, Oh, so I did an elk shape camp, executed it. It went well. Threw out another one, sold out again. It went well. And, you know, one thing led to another to where I was looking at, okay, I, I'm back to trying to serve two masters. Elk shape's growing so fast. Uh, I'm kind of tired of running the gym, even though I didn't run it that much at that point. I think I want to sell it. And so selling a business is not simple. At least it wasn't for me. I actually went through a couple different buyers that couldn't get funding or something would fall through or they changed your mind. Eventually sold it to the right guy who absolutely just loved the people and was doing things. And then I was like, okay, this affords me an opportunity to try doing elk shape full time versus doing elk shape at like 9 PM to midnight every night. And, you know, doing two your side hustle. And uh, that's what happened, man, is uh, I went and tried doing elk shape full time. And it was amazing how much more I could do when I, I woke up and I just did elk shape all day. Podcasts, YouTube, content creation, um, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, it just grew and grew. And I told my wife I would give it a year. And if it didn't like make sense on paper that I could go get another job or start a different business. And uh, I haven't had to do that yet, but I will say this, Thomas, probably the most important thing I want to share with you is I'm not a money chaser. Like I don't, I'm not really concerned with how much money I can make. I haven't been that way since I started elk hunting. I am more concerned with having time autonomy in my life to do what I want to do. And, you know, we're pretty disciplined with, with finances. So like, I don't have any debt and it's like, I, I'm just here to, to have a good time and help people and um, not really worried about investment. Like I have investments, but I'm not worried about chasing dollars is what I'm trying to say. I'm worried about how many elk seasons I can have on this earth while I'm here and raising good kids and, and teaching them about Jesus and being a good husband and a good person and serving others. Nice. How have you managed to, to be out of debt completely at 40? Yeah, that's, I mean, so it started back when we first got married, we've been married for 12 years. I, my wife and I didn't even share a checking account, but, uh, and I don't know why, but we just did not And when she got married, she had like a car payment. She had student loans up the wazoo, um, couple credit cards. And I noticed that she'd get like letters from the bank, like overdrawing. And I'm like, I don't know. I was just like, I've never overdrawn in my life. Like I just keep a pulse on how much money's in there. And, uh, I started kind of making fun of her and she took it pretty personal and, and rightly so I was kind of being a jerk. So we kind of had a come to Jesus meeting and 
We got a hold of some Dave Ramsey literature. Nice. Which I'm not going to sit here and say Dave Ramsey is the magic bullet because I know better, but I like some of his principles. And so we actually started doing his debt snowball principles, the baby steps. And you want to talk about delayed gratification. We didn't do it very fast. We weren't making very much money, but it, it was pretty cool when we paid off. I think her, the first thing we paid off was credit card number one. And it took us months. And then all that money we were putting towards that credit card is now going to the next credit card. And the snowball really is a real thing. So we were able to pay off credit cards, cars, school loans. And it was really in, like we were on the same page. We were communicating. We brought our checking account together. And that was really a, like that was huge for us. Um, and then I would say that was probably 11 years ago. And it wasn't till probably 39 or 38 when we paid off our second, uh, we have two houses, one in Idaho, one in Washington, the house in Idaho I have with my dad, we paid that off together. Nice. And that was huge. That was like, a, you know, a legacy piece, a cabin that I wanted to pass on to my kids. And, and that was huge. And man, just being disciplined, you can, we, you'd be surprised. Like if Dave Ramsey brought me on his show, he'd probably like, like, wow, that took you guys a long time. He wouldn't be like, wow, he did it so fast in so short amount of time. No, he'd be like, wow, that took you guys a long time. Cause there was ebbs and flows, ups and downs, um, things happen, but, um, we've just decided from the go to be on the same page and to not worry about, I don't, I have a narrow focus, Tom. I, I don't have a lot of other interests. And so it makes it pretty easy and, um, we don't have it all figured out. We're still on the journey, but uh, yeah, no debt is, is where we envisioned it. That's awesome. And so isn't that a part, don't you bring part finances kind of into your elk shake camps a little bit? This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yeah, I'm very transparent about money. I, I felt like I people are afraid to take their financial clothes off in front of people. And so I do these camps with 50 guys. Like, I got a camp coming up in Wisconsin. I bet most of them make more money than I do, but I bet I have less stress than they do. And so I, I put out my numbers on there. I show them what I make. Uh, how we, like, we used to do old school envelope system with the Dave Ramsey. Like I'd have stacks of cash at, and putting cash away every month for tires, even though we didn't need new tires, but we were going to need tires down the road. And so it's just that kind of stuff really pans out. And the thing with hunting is, is expensive. And I don't want people going into debt to get boots and a brand new bow and a bunch of elk tags. Like if you want to hunt your best, your shit's got to be dialed at home. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. you've got to have your finances in check. You can't be stressed out. You, you and your spouse got to be on the same page. And I believe that. So at these camps, you, you bet. I bring a financial guy to help <clears throat> talk some sense on how to create a hunt budget, how to say no to all the new gadgets and gizmos and how to make a plan to get those things over time and how to pay down your debts. And we don't talk about like investing and all that kind of stuff too much. Um, yeah, but that's such, a, certainly that's advice, such but- an important part of, of, of this lifestyle. And you see it with fishermen too, that they go, they go way too far in. And some of these guys are making plenty of money and they go way too far in and they're spending way too much time doing it. And they're not spending enough time at home. And this guy that's your best customer for these four years, then you don't hear from them again ever because they got a divorce and you know, their business went down and you know, they just, they just went too far in. And, and you know, it's like, if you want to be really great at something, you have to develop a plan for consistency to where you can do it for a long time because you're not going to be really great at bow hunting or fly fishing in five years. Like this is a long process and you're going to learn more every single year and to be um, consistent and to do it where, especially to be on the same page with your wife, because there's, there's so much time devoted to this. Like, what do you talk about at your camps about that? Like making sure you're on the same page with your, with your wife. Like that is, that's huge. Yeah. So I let everybody know that I don't have it figured out yet. Like it's still, (laughs) Yeah, me either. But okay, I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, and 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 I get closer and closer and closer to being on the same page with her. And she's. I mean, we just celebrated our 26 year anniversary just not too long ago. So we do have some things figured out. But there are times where it's like, okay, well, that was a little too much. Like, you know, like now it's time to to be at home or whatever. But that's where I want to be anyway with my kids and stuff. But I'd like to know what you're telling your people, you, you first say you don't have it figured out. Yeah. Well, I just let it, I disclaimer, Hey, I'm not giving, you know, marital advice, but I am going to go over best practices and I'm going to talk about things that, um, have led to some success because, you know, I'm like you, I am gone a lot for sure, without a doubt. And there's a price there's trade-offs. So communication is like, they always say that, but like, let me give you an example of communication that sucks, but it it's a necessary evil. So in my world, I'm putting in for elk tags and other tags for different species. And I'm trying to draw a tag and those draws are going on out West from January till darn near July. So when we first got married, I had to show her, I have a separate account over here. And at the time I'm like, there's $10,000 in this account. This is monopoly money. This is money that I use to, to front, to, to put in for these tags and you could spend a lot more than that. But that's what I had worked up as a single young man before I met my wife was I would put in for every state. And, you know, a lot of times they make you buy, give you the money and they hold on to it. And then after the drawing, if you don't draw, they give you your money back and they make a little interest off of it and you pay a small fee. And yeah, you needed capital to put in. Nowadays, it's a little easier to put in for most of these states. Like they don't require the it paid in full and they're going to charge your credit card after the draw. Mm-hmm. It used to be like that. So long story short is that was the first thing was communicating to her like, Hey, I have this and this is what I use it for. But now when I, when I draw a tag, when I make a hunt plan, 
I used to hide that information until the last second and then throw up on her. Hey, I'm going to be gone this next week. I'm going into here, Wyoming, Montana. And, you know, that just doesn't. Now I go right upstairs to our shared calendar, like an old school calendar, and I write it, the dates I'm going to be gone. Even if I know she's going to roll her eyes or really another elk hunt or you're doing this, but I like to just let her know way in advance what my plans are, even though Tom, I'm like the most simple guy to read. Like <laughs> I just want to go elk hunting. Like you shouldn't be surprised. She's still surprised. So I still go up there and write down all my dates for when I'm going hunting, check with her, of course. And then I make sure that I don't do certain things that I used to. I used to be a diehard shed hunter before it was cool. And I would march through April. I was, you know, humping the hills, looking for elk sheds, deer sheds. I don't do that anymore, man. That's a, that's, that's time away from the family. And I sacrifice that, uh, scouting in the summer. I used to go to where I, I had tags and like get boots on the ground. I don't do that anymore. Summer is for family camping trips as much time at our Idaho cabin, making memories. Um, and so I've learned through trial and error that we'll, what I need to do to fill their love tanks, what their love language is. My wife's is definitely words of affirmation, number one, but number two is quality time. And so I got to do that. I got to commit and invest. And and I'm selfishly doing that. So yes, I can go hunting, but it's so I can go hunt and hunt my best when I'm out there and not be distracted or have like be in a fight. Cause I've done that before and it doesn't work well. Yeah. Or feel guilty the whole time. Like I really shouldn't. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. That that's, that's super good advice. And you know, then as your, how old are your kids? Five and seven, five and seven. So mine are all grown. Uh, they're 23, 21 and nine, 18. So, um, but one of the things that, that we also found in, as, as kind of the next step there is learning how to do some of the things that you might want to do in a way that it's an enhancement to your family life. Like maybe it's the shed hunting, maybe your five and seven year olds in a year or so have the, have the desire, have the, the want to get out and go and hike those Hills with you and maybe look, and maybe they like shed hunting. And maybe now it's like, okay, now you've taken something that was time away from the family. And now this is quality time with your kids. And maybe they really like it. And maybe they're not even ready at all for hunting or fishing or whatever it is, but it's going out in the boat or it's shed hunting or it's doing something to where, you know, I used to take my kids fishing and, and they didn't even touch a fishing rod. They played in the live well the whole time. And, and some people would get really upset with their kids. Like, no, we're out here to fish. Like, don't do that. You're killing the bait. I'm like, that's the cheapest entertainment we ever had you got a dozen shrimp in there and they can't take their eyes off of it they've had their head buried in the live well they're learning all kinds of stuff about science they're learning all kinds of stuff about the ocean and we're having a great time out here like this is great and just just enjoy it for what it is right and and so that might be the next the next step of of you know maybe it's shooting your bow in the backyard do your kids like to do that does your wife like to do that like maybe it has seemingly nothing to do with hunting. It's everything to do with hunting from your perspective. Like I got to get good at this, but could you make that a family activity? Could you somehow, um, you know, make it to where it's not a, not a, 
a takeaway from from family, but an enhancement. And the same thing is true for fitness. And I'd like to know what you think about that and how you how, you know, with your busy schedule and what you do, how you um, you know, where do you place your fitness? Where do you get time for your fitness? Because I've got my own um, thing about that, that that I talk about a lot, but just kind of interested in how you do it and what you tell your wow. people. Oh man. Um, well, most people should train in the morning. First thing, just because you know, and I know something's going to happen throughout the day where eventually your workout's going to get compromised because your boss asked you to stay late or your wife asked you to pick up some groceries after work or whatever. You're not feeling it. Uh, a lot of times just get out there and go do it. Even though you're not feeling it, it's the best feeling when you're done. And I guarantee your day is more productive and you have more quality time in the evening with your family. Uh, so I think you should win the day right out the gates. I don't personally train in the mornings unless I have to. Um, I try to use training as a way to break up my day. So I, my routine is to get the workout done middle of the day to break up the day and kind of hit that afternoon with some endorphins versus a lot of people kind of get sluggish in the afternoons. And I feel like I'm hammering after a workout even harder than I was in the morning. So I like to, to train five, six days a week, uh, rest days. Like what is rest? I don't know, but you know, I take it easy on Sundays, I, but I, I try to make time for days that I'm not in the gym to, to be active and use my body and have fun. And, um, uh, I don't think for me, I'm not training to compete at CrossFit anymore. So in and out in an hour tops like get in and get out um that's kind of my philosophy and and i train with my wife quite a bit now and i love working out with her she's an she's an absolute beast and so i love working out with her and um and this community we've built but that's kind of what i tell people is to get it done first thing sacrifice your sleep don't worry if you stayed up late that that will get fixed eventually uh, but if you keep working out in the mornings, you're going to start going to bed earlier. Trust me. And it will happen on its own naturally. But that morning routine, it's hard to beat that. I'm all about it, man. I'm, a, I'm, I'm totally on the same page. And that's what it, that's what it, it, it just became that way. I wasn't necessarily a morning person until I started fishing and then fishing is, is kind of a morning activity. And, and that, you know, I got in the habit of waking up early, but then when it came to, okay, well, I need to be in really good shape to do my job better. And, and that's when I started training really hard was when I noticed an absolute one-to-one ratio of the better shape I'm in, the more days I can go in a row on the water, the more I'm getting paid, the more I'm taking care of my family. And so then it was like, okay, well, when am I going to get this time? Because I had little kids at home, you know, and, and it's like, are you going to train at, at dinner, bath and bedtime? Well, that might be good for your body. It's going to be terrible for your relationships and it's not sustainable. Like we were talking about before, that's just not sustainable. So I just had to, even though we're leaving the dock at, you know, six or seven or sometimes five, it's like, well, the only time that is not going to be a takeaway from my family and it's going to be an enhancement to my life is I'm going to create this time by getting up earlier. And this is my time. And I'm going to, you know, I I determine how much time I have. If I want to train for two hours, awesome get up two hours earlier or two, three hours earlier probably is what you need because you got to warm up. Then you got to cool down. You got to get a little breakfast. You got to take a shower. You got to get out the door. And, but if you want to train for an hour, then get 
up earlier. And then, then it's an enhancement. Like we keep, like I keep saying, it's like, it, it enhances your life. It enhances every area of your life because a lot of people are, you know, they're, they're out of shape or whatever. And their wife's encouraging them to work out. Like you need to, you need to get in better shape and they choose, they simply just choose the wrong time to do it. It's like, well, I'll go after work. Well, that, and, and for a while, your family and your wife is happy about it. Oh, you've lost 15 pounds. You really look better. You got more energy, but you're missing the most important part of the day for your family. Like it's not sustainable. It'll never happen. And that's why a lot of people I think fall off and don't, don't continue is because, you know, now it's like, Oh, you seem to like the gym more than you like to be at home. It's like that that's never going to, you're never going to make it like that. It's not going to, you won't sustain. So I'm all about the morning as well. Like that's, hundred percent. And, and it all, something always comes up. And especially as your kids get a little bit older, then it'll be a dance recital or a, or a wrestling practice or a lacrosse game or like whatever. And you don't want to miss those either. Like those are the most important things. So I'm totally on the same page. And that's, that's cool that you, that you talk to your, um, your camps about that. Um, that's cool, man. Well, the, the transition to, to elk shape is that had to be kind of a, I mean, it sounds like you had kind of this, this momentum going, but was there a point where you just, you, you, you just felt like, man, I'm just, I'm just going both feet in all in. And I guess that's when you sold your, your gym, like I'm going to do this. And do you, do you think back on that decision at all? And, and, or do you just, you did it and you never look back like, yeah, uh, no, it was, I mean, it was pretty calculated. Honestly, uh, I had tested to see how Oak shape was doing for a couple of years with the podcast, with the camps and social media and YouTube. Um, so, I mean, it was calculated, but, um, there was definitely a point where like, well, <laughs> here we go. Let's see. Let's see. And, you know, I'm a kind of guy that like, I would rather bet on myself than bet against myself. So I would put all my money down on me. I can control my energy and my effort, my attitude. And so I'm just going to go all in and uh, we're going to see, you know, what God's got in store for us. If this is what he's, you know, calling us to do, let's do it. Um, but then after that, like there was no like second guessing. It was just grinded out day in and day out. And the momentum built, just like when we try to pay an offer debt, the momentum builds not overnight, but if you consistently get the reps in and keep working hard and hustling, good things happen. I always tell people hustle is my love language. That's how I know you love me. If I see you hustling, I, I you know that that's my love. And I love watching people hustle just like you. You know, I can tell you are a hustler and <laughs> I'm not just talking about business. I'm sure it's in working out. I'm sure it's in, you know, fishing and hunting. It's like you're the kind of guy that's going to put his best foot forward and give his all. All it takes is all you got. And so that's what I, my mindset was going into elk shape. Um, will I do this forever? I don't know. I'm certainly enjoying it, Tom. I'm certainly enjoying it. There's ups, there's downs, there's good things and bad things about it. But at the end of the day, I just want to go elk hunting. I want to raise a family. I want to be a man of faith. So if I can keep doing this, I'm going to ride the wave as long as possible. But I also understand if my time comes and this is no longer a cool thing, then I will you know, make adjustments and figure out the next step. Nice. But for now, this is what I love doing. Well, you got it set up so nicely that you're not leveraged heavily like that. You you have the, you know, it's like discipline, you know, discipline equals freedom. That's, that's the whole thing. It's like you, you've spent all these years with discipline to, for your finances. And now you have the freedom. You don't want to do this anymore. You don't have to. 
Like you can do whatever you want, right? That's, that's what it's all about. That's the, that's the perfect um, uh, example of that. So I know you're busy. I want to, I want to finish this up with, with a few questions. And um, one of the questions that I get from like fishermen that want to, want to even, even just dip their toe into, into elk hunting. It's like, okay, first thing I need to do, if, if that's something I want to do, I want to get a bow and I want to start shooting it. I want to see if I even enjoy this. Right. So I want to, I want to get the bow. I want to start shooting it. I want to go into this. Like I do my fly casting. I want to practice, practice, practice. And I want to get better at it. And I understand how good I need to be because, you know, a lot of these people have done some deer hunting before or whatever, but if you're living in an obscure place, like that, you don't have a bow shop nearby. What do you, what kind of advice do you give somebody? How do you get into archery when you don't have the luxury of having, you know, I mean, it's one thing, if you got the bow shop down the street, those guys can help you out. They can, they can get you the right bow. They can adjust it. They can help you with your shooting, all of that stuff. But what about the guy that doesn't have that? How do you, how do you suggest that they get into, into shooting a compound bow? Well, that's tough. I I don't know a lot of people that don't have bow shops near them that within a couple hour drive. Now, from my experience, uh, and I have traveled all over doing these camps in the U.S., but uh, eventually you do need to go to an archer shop because here's here's the truth. And you can probably appreciate this as a guide is like, I don't know how many fly casters suck. And it's, you're like, I got to fix you. And they've taught themselves Mm -hmm. and they have all these terrible bad habits that they taught themselves. Please don't do that. That's what I did. I got a bow at a pawn shop and taught myself how to do everything the wrong way. And it took a long time and a lot of coaching to, to fix these bad habits. And so I would encourage anyone to get a coach, find a coach near you, pay the man, get the fundamentals. They never go out of style. Getting your hands on a bow, man, somebody near you has a compound bow in their garage that they're not using. Put it out there on Facebook or look at Facebook. Um, Marketplace probably doesn't have bows anymore, but Craigslist or network and somebody's got an old used bow. Get one that fits you. Get a coach or watch some online coaching and start there. See if you enjoy it. It's definitely similar to fly casting. It's an art, but there's fundamentals that absolutely are the common denominator. You have to have those. And if you can do that initially, you're certainly going to enjoy the process a lot more. Nice. Okay. And then, you know, when you're, when you're talking to all the people that are, that are elk shaped fans, you have these camps, are there, are there a couple or one thing that kind of sticks out that is like, man, more people get this wrong. And it's such an easy fix. If so, what do you think that would be? Like, is there one thing that sticks out about, about just like something that people are consistently kind of, maybe it's not wrong, but it could be done better. I I don't know if people truly appreciate that. um, When it comes to elk hunting, it it requires a a tremendous amount of time. And that if you're only able to do it a couple of days out of the year, um, you have to understand that you, you better set your trajectory and your goals accordingly, you know, and I think a lot of people think you have to kill enough for you to have success. And I could not disagree more. It is a win, a, a W, a victory when you're brand new to elk hunting and to get in with bow range and to hear their interactions 
and maybe you blow it up and they smell you or they see you pull your bow back and they run away or you screw something up and miss, but that is a huge W in the wind column. And so I think identifying your expectations going into a hunt, I think most people don't take the time to stop and identify what, what is truly success for them. They think it's I'm killing a bull elk or I'm a failure. And that's just the wrong way to approach it. Just like your fishing clients, you know, you have to be in it for the long haul the trajectory and understand that this is going to be several small wins throughout the years and could take five years, like both me and your son and it will be rewarding, but you're going to be learning and it's a journey. So I just like to identify your expectations and I kind of help correct. And I see that the most at all my camps and all the things I do is people just have an unhealthy expectations of what success is. So I kind of help push them in the right direction and explain them what that's going to look like. Love it. Love it. Now uh, it's become very clear uh, from listening to your podcast and then even more so on this um on this conversation, you're, you're a hustler, man. You do, you're, you really go after it, whether that's, um, in the gym or, or elk hunting or with your family or whatever, what are a couple of things that you do on a daily basis that you feel contribute to your, the success that you've had? Uh, well, like you've mentioned discipline is freedom. I believe that my whole life before I heard those words come out of Jocko Willink, I've always believed that discipline wins. And, um, I'm a very disciplined individual slash probably boring in that, you know, and then my wife tells me how intense I am. I'm a very intense guy. Like, and I don't, I don't mean to be, but it's just who I am. I can tell, like, it's just, maybe it's the wrestler deep down there. I'm an intense guy. And that's why I seek out intense workouts and intense things like bow hunting elk. It's just awesome. But the things, if I look at my day, I set up every day, um, prior. So I always have like a to-do list, like on my desk that I take the time at the end of my day and just kind of jot down what the next day is going to look like, kind of like those musts and should do list. And, and that's super ham. I don't wake up wondering what to do. I know what I need to work on that next day. Uh, while the coffee pot's brewing, get into the word, get, you know, this life is short. We are, we are not put on this earth just to make money and die and pay taxes. So get into the word. Um, a lot of times I wake up before everybody, um, because it's an enhancement, like you said, for me. So I get up early, I'm up, I'm solo. And then once the coffee is down the hatch, made some quiet time, we're swinging, we're hitting, we're, we're hitting all the work we need to get done. We always try to break the day up with a workout midday to just get sweat, get some, get outside, get some sun, get some vitamin D, uh, and just have like, I just try to have the perfect day every day. And I know what a perfect day looks like for me. I'm productive. I'm getting workouts in. I'm eating healthy. I'm, I'm getting spiritual wins. I'm spending time with the family in the evening. So that's the secret sauce, man, is to have the perfect days every day. Nice. I love it. That's awesome. All right. On a different note, since you've been elk hunting, um, is there is there one thing that stands out as a as an advantage or or as an innovation in technology that has really changed things for, for you or for elk hunters. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So when I started elk hunting, we had to read actual maps and you had to like, really, when you knew you were going to go somewhere, you had to get uh, either online or make phone calls and order physical maps and study them and study them. And there's still 
that's gone out of style, but I'm telling you, that's still cool to do, mm-hmm. especially topo maps. But uh, then there was like some GPS units that kind of came out, but their their screens were like they're pretty ghetto, man. Like it was not super advanced, but at least you could communicate with your hunting partners. Um, and then now I'm just going to fast forward two things that are super handy for me is on my phone. I have all the maps downloaded on, on X where I can know where I am, know where public private is, and I can read terrain features, track my progress, see where I'm at. And then I have an inreach from Garmin that I can get a hold of my wife every day. Cause I used to hunt solo back in the day before those things. And my wife's crazy. She'd be cool with not hearing from me for weeks <laughs> at a time. And, and now that's not cool with kids. So I, an inreach and on X have changed the game. I know where I'm at and I can always communicate with loved ones. Nice. Love it. Now the last question, um, if you were to, uh, if you were to leave a legacy, which you will, what do you want that to be? Oh, you're just going to save that for the last question. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. so hard. <laughs> oh man. I'm, that's tough. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like the, the older I get, the more I want to see people live the life that they want to lead. And I don't know that they're doing that. And I just constantly am encouraging folks to, to pursue their passion. And I don't want to speak in cliche, but I'm just saying like, this thing is short, go find a way, even if it's a side hustle in the beginning to maybe monetize what you love to do in a way that it doesn't make what you love watered down or muddy. Don't do that. But if there's a way for you to get paid to play in the way that you like to go for it and figure it out. You're smart. Find a way to side hustle to where it becomes your main hustle or whatever you need to do. But my legacy would be just to a guy that sold. I'm selling hard work. That's what I'm selling. And I want people to adopt it and live the life they've always wanted to. Man, that's awesome. I like that so much. And I, I feel the same way. We, we, we talk so much about, um, about that, about following your passion, because people look at my career or whatever, and they're like, man, that's, that's awesome. You're able to do what you, what you wanted to do. Like, how do I do that? And, and, you know, that's, that's great. Now, (laughs) recently, like, I, I don't know, I guess that wasn't such a popular thing with, with certain people among the, the hunting community. Um, and, and you got a little bit of heat for that with, with Matt Ranella, like where, how do you feel like, and I don't really want to bring that up. I didn't even plan on bringing that up, but it's, it's right there at the passion thing. Like you're saying people should have a side hustle and they should be doing this. Like, and and then you see, you receive the criticism from him, which I didn't think was accurate or fair or, or, or I don't know, it's his opinion, whatever. Um, how do you sit with that? Like, and, and, and just kind of, with, with the advice that you're giving people and telling people that they should have a a side hustle and they should do what they love. And, and then you receive that criticism. Does that change anything for you or? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I I do. uh, That was tough for me. That little Matt Ranella season where um, somebody texts me and said, Hey, you should listen to this podcast. This guy's talking about you. And I was like, whatever. And he's like, like go to our, whatever this, this timestamp and and hit play. And I was in the gym with my wife. We were actually finishing working on our gym, you know, and 
we put it played over the big speakers and listened to it. And I could tell that my wife was really upset. And I knew that the guy, he actually doesn't know me. Right. And he's actually never, ever, ever researched a thing about me. He kept citing an article that one of his buddies wrote. So I had somebody write a complete article about me and it's mainly <laughs> inaccurate slight slash, slash defamation. But I was kind of surprised. Honestly, I thought I was doing something that was super positive. I always have been like, I'm in getting people to change their life and work out and take care of nutrition and, and reprioritize faith, then family, then fitness then elk hunting and career. And I was doing it in that order. I, I didn't think I'd have a hater. And since then, I have been able to see that I actually do have a lot of people, not a lot compared to how many support me, obviously. Um, but there's a small percentage of people that are never going to like what you're doing. Right. And that's nothing new to me. I'm 40 years old. I've lived, I've lived on this planet. I get that. There's jealousy, there's envy or whatever you want to call it. I'm not saying Matt Brunella is jealous of me, but one thing that I, I would love, the guys who hosted the podcast asked me if I want to come on right away. And I was just too hot. I was just like, no, I'm going to say something I'm going to regret, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or I'm going to. Right. And so I, I turned it down. I said, no, that's fine. I did do my own podcast and just talked through a little and played some of his clips, but I feel sorry for him. If you're that sour or disgruntled that there's other people hunting, you're just kind of being selfish and trying to keep it all for yourself. Um, that's super sad for me. Um, does he have some valid points? hundred yeah. percent. Does social media have some negativity? Absolutely. But pointing a finger at me, I don't think he even knows me at all. Yeah. I don't think he did the research, but, uh, if he were to dig in and, and I would invite him, man, if Matt Rinell would hang out with me as soon as elk season's over, I could help him have more success because I just don't know if he's putting the work in that I am. D did he shoot more arrows than I did? Did he break a sweat as much as I did? Did he e-scout as much? Did he spend as much time in the mountains? I mean, he's a transplant from Michigan to Montana. So at one point he was a non-resident of Montana. Right. And I don't think just a few years of residency qualifies you to like say, get mad that other people are trying to share, enjoy the same resource. Um, again, he's got some valid points. He's really smart, way smarter than me. He's got a doctorate in something. Um, and it is what it is. He said what he said. I think he did good. He caused, he stirred the pot and got some people to reflect. And so thank you, Matt Ranella, because yeah, I look in the mirror and I hunt for the right reasons. If elk shape's gone tomorrow and there's no social media, I'm still back out there with as many elk tags as possible doing my thing, bro. Um, but I do think some people need policing and um, all in all things happen for a reason. So I still look at it from a positive angle. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, no matter what you do, just like you said, there's always going to be haters and like, I don't know, you, you, it doesn't matter what you do. And you can't please everyone. So I think that you have to really, you have to really hone in on what is important to you and what, what you feel your mission is. And, and especially if you're getting really positive reinforcement from the people that you're helping and you're, you're, you're really enhancing their life and, and, and you're doing a, you're doing a great thing for those people. And that, that enhances your life and you're feeling like you're living your best life. Good. For, that's what you should be doing, man. That's what you should be doing. And 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 some people somewhere for some reasons maybe completely unknown to to you and maybe even unknown to them they don't like it 
They don't like it. They don't think that's cool at all. And you know what? You're never going to please them. But trying to please them, you're going to make the people that do like what you're doing upset. And you're going to make them upset. And you're going to make a whole bunch of other people upset because you're not now you're not focused in on your on your mission. You're not focused in on what's important to you and what you what you were doing in the first place. So I don't know. You're always going to have you're always going to have people that that aren't happy with what you're doing. And that's a hard thing to get your mind around, man, especially when you feel like, wow, I really thought I was doing great things here. And here's this guy that doesn't like what I'm doing. So I don't know. I can imagine. And, and I really didn't intend to talk to you about that, but I could, when I heard all that, I was like, you know, Dan's just going to keep on doing his thing, man. That ain't going to bother him one bit. And, but it does, <laughs> it does bother you when somebody is publicly saying something about what you're doing. And, 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 and it's not accurate. That's, that bothers anyone. Right. But I think you're doing awesome, man. I think I like what you're doing. I like your podcast. I like the elk shape camps, like the fitness and, and, and just the, the whole clean living and, and, uh, enhancement of, of your life and, and doing the best you can while you're here. I love it. I think you're doing awesome. Appreciate that. Yeah, man. Well, uh, if anybody wants to follow Elk Shape and listen to your podcast, or watch your watch your videos, where do they go? Well, I'm part of your squad, man. I'm part of the Waypoint team. So, um, at, you know, Elk Shape's at all the platforms for podcasts. Uh, if you're not into podcasts, uh, you should be. I just like podcasts, Tom. Like you can digest, you can consume them however you and do other things. Right. And it seems like you, no matter whose podcast it is, there's always a something that is a nugget or just something that you really resonated with you. So I love podcasting. They're here to stay. Uh, we do, we do YouTube really well. We do a couple videos a week there and it's elk shape. And then I'm on Instagram, Facebook and uh, elkshape.com. But man, I'm just appreciate you getting to finally meet you and talk to you this day. I knew this day was coming and it finally got here. Yeah, man. Well, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to share a workout with you. Uh, one of these days that'd be, that'd be fun. And, uh, Really, I'm sure you could teach me a lot about shooting my bow, and that would be also very, very helpful. So, where, what part of Idaho is it that you go to? What, what part of the state? So, I live in actually Spokane. Oh, I know, Spokane, but you have, the, you have the property in Idaho. What part of the state? Oh, is that yeah, in? it's just right by um, a little town by by Coeur d'Alene okay. in Saint, uh, Saint Mary's. Okay, yeah, yeah, I don't go to that part of the Idaho that much, but my boys are in Bozeman, and I get and I, I when I was a trout fishing guide, I was over in Swan Valley, Idaho, a whole bunch on the South Fork of the Snake River. That's where we that's where we were. So I know that little area of Idaho a lot better than than up north. But uh, yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll meet out there one of these days. But we, we'll get Absolutely. together one of these times, man. But I, I appreciate you being on. I love talking to you. And uh, I'll be listening to Elk Shape and trying to become a better elk hunter myself. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. All right. See you.